story brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host, Johnny T. And today my guest is Stephanie Olson, speaker and author and the chief executive officer of the Set Me Free Project, a prevention education organization on human trafficking, social media safety, and healthy relationships. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Now, that's a big task list of items. And you don't just walk into something like that. And I know that you're a woman of faith. So maybe you could start off telling us about your journey of faith and then lead into how that opened up that whole world for you. Sure. Well, I actually was born, I always start right there, so don't get nervous. I was born from an amazing mom and a very abusive father. Mm. And my mom escaped from this very abusive relationship when I was only a year old, which really set up the trajectory of my life because mm. at that time, time, my biological father never did anything to try and get to know me, no birthday cards, no Christmas cards. And so that abandonment mm. of my biological father was very difficult. Now we went to my grandparents' house and I was raised by them very early on, a very loving home. And my grandpa was Jewish. My grandma was Episcopalian, mm. none of them practicing. And so it was a very happy home, but I did not know Jesus at all other than Christmas and Easter. Now, I loved it because I was a little girl with a Jewish grandpa and a Christian grandma. So I would get eight presents for Hanukkah <laughs> and right. Christmas gifts. So it worked yeah, out really right. well for me early on. But when I was six years old, my mom met and married my dad. And I always make a distinction between my dad who adopted me and my father because any male can be a father. And he married my mom, adopted me, and was an extremely amazing dad, but also didn't have what God needed to provide in my life. And I was really feeling that abandonment of my biological father. There were a lot of things going on. And when I was six, my mom met Jesus mm. by a Jewish friend of hers, actually, who loved oh. her Christ. And she led me to Jesus. And my mom and I started going to church. My dad wasn't quite ready yet, but I really loved the Lord and loved worshiping him, loved being in his presence. But I had a lot of anger and mm. had a lot of fusion. And anytime you're dealing with trauma and there was abuse and neglect early on, those first five years of life are so critical mm -hmm. to a child. So that trauma really affected me going forward. And although I was a Christian at a young age, when I got a little bit older, I completely turned my back on Christ mm. and fell into a lot of sin, drugs, alcohol, promiscuity, and just really looking for that acceptance and that worth. Because when your own father doesn't tell you to have worth, you deal worth. Mm -hmm. And when your own father doesn't give you love, you don't feel loved. And as we know today, only God can serve that and fill that. No human do that. Amen. But I was the cliche looking for love in all the wrong places and really fell away from God hard. 
but I always believed in, I always knew he was yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And when I look back today, his hand was always on my life. Yeah, I've heard that quite often, actually. And there's some parallels there in my own life, for sure. People may not understand that they run towards so many things in life. They run towards, I got to do this, or I got to find the most exciting thing that I could possibly do or live on the edge or whatever. But yet they don't understand. It's their soul crying out for that fulfillment from God. And it doesn't really matter how we get there. We all still have that same void in our heart that Jesus came to fill. That's right. That's right. And eventually every knee will bow down and every tongue will confess him. But I am just so grateful. I always say my mom saved me, so to speak, a couple of times mm-hmm. by escaping from that abusive relationship, but then also leading me to Christ. And what a blessing it is to know him at a young age. And even though there were times when I was not following and serving him, his presence was always there. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for the people that are listening and even in our own experiences where you have that little prompt in your heart or you have that little tweak and you think or your they call it your gut feeling or something like that. A lot of that is God speaking to us and kind of warning us or telling us, you maybe shouldn't really get in that car tonight or you maybe shouldn't go to that party or, or whatever. And that's happened so many times. That's so funny you say that because there were so many of those times in my life. First of all, I should not be alive today. And I'm a recovering alcoholic today. So I was drinking regularly, but doing drugs sporadically, but often. And there was always something that said I walked into a lot of parties where Coke was served and offered. And there was always something that said, don't. And I knew that if I were to do that first line, I would never get back. And so there was always that. And today I know that was the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's amazing what that can look like sometimes. Just a a second ago, you said you're, you're a recovering alcoholic. I would like to say that Jesus sets us free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So you're no longer a recovering alcoholic. It's not even a part of your life now, as far as he's concerned. I do agree with that. And it was really interesting because I have talked to so many people who were alcoholics and drug addicts. So many of them were said, I was miraculously saved. And I love that. Absolutely. That is yeah. not something, though, that God did for me. And I think there's a reason behind that because I have to stay pressed in on a daily basis in order to not take that drink. Because what if I did take a drink, regardless of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, I would be right back there. And so I am really careful of how I talk about that because I also know that as a believer and as somebody who has dealt with addictions, there are people out there who need to hear that it is still a battle for them at times that they have to take to the cross every day, some of them, because I never want to give the impression that because Jesus has that saving grace, and he does, that it breathes now. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. People can't tell you you're going to come to Jesus and everything's going to wash away. Everything's a Friday. Everything's a Friday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's it's not like that because it says you can't clean a fish until you catch it. Yes. Right? So Jesus, he catches us and then he starts the cleaning process and things come up, like things that may have even been buried way deep inside of us that we may have pushed aside for whatever reason. And God will help us grow and help us mature and help us learn to trust him and to recognize his love and so on. And he'll bring us to that place gently on his time where he can finally say, okay, now this thing that you've forgotten about, now we're going to deal with that because you're at a mature place and, and he can bring you through that, right? And consistently, and the beauty of him is that there is nothing wasted with him. Mm -hmm. And so everything that he cleans, so to speak, or for instance, can be used to really help others and glorify him at the same time. That's what's so amazing about it. Absolutely. In Proverbs, it says that when you water, you'll get watered. And I'm paraphrasing that, right? But when we talk about the things that God's done in our life, and when we talk about just the grace and the love and the mercy and the victory and the challenges and all that, when we talk about that and we share that with people that are on that same journey, but they may be somewhat behind where we are, we are watering them, but yet there's freedom in that. There's victory in that because you're talking about it from a point of God's true value and existence in your life which is life-changing. And when you share that with them, it encourages them. And I want to encourage everybody that's listening today. Stephanie and I both had things in our lives that God's brought us through and given us victory. And it's very important that we go to, to him every day because we need to stay focused. He says, it's think on these things. Think on things that are holy. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that are righteous and so on. And if we tend to lose our focus on those, the enemy in the world is right there to offer us an alternative. Yes. Yes, the enemy is definitely not creative, but he is consistent. Absolutely, yeah. He does not want to stop, yeah. That's right, for sure. And he doesn't always try to make us bad, but he will try to make us busy. Yeah, for sure. Yes, you're absolutely right. I love that. Yeah, so I borrowed that. It's not my own, so I'm not going to take credit for it, but I did hear it. Well, you said it well. That's right. Yeah. I know I was looking at your website today, the Set Me Free Project. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, and I think I understand where it comes from, just from what you told me about your path to Christ so far, the intrinsic value of someone that cannot be changed. I think if I was going to package up your story into one sentence, that would be it. You are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. And what's interesting because we are a not faith-based organization because we go into enemy territory and we are able to do amazing things. But I would say we are Holy Spirit-led. Our CHO, our Chief Holy Spirit (laughs) Officer, oh, and he's running the organization. But when the curriculum was originally written, I wrote it biblically based. And Mm -hmm. that intrinsic value, as we know, is Jesus Christ. Yes. And when we recognize that we are a child of God and we recognize that we were created in his image, it changes everything and how we look at not only ourselves, but also everybody around us. Agreed. hundred percent. Now, I know that you go and you speak to a wide range of people from young people to organizations, to schools, communities, and so on. When you go and talk to those different groups, you're going to have, I would believe, your established block of unchangeables. 
the mandates, the fundamental principles of that intrinsic value. That would never change as far as the message that you're going to present to people. The presentation of that message, though, would change based on the different groups you're talking to because they have different levels of understanding, they have different beliefs, and whatever it might be. So maybe tell me about some of those experiences you've had with different organizations and just what you saw through listening to his voice and the effects of that when you gave that presentation. I will tell you a story, but I will also tell you on a broader scope. When we started this work, and we've been doing this for about 10 years, we were the ones going into the schools and talking to the kiddos. We were the ones presenting wherever it was. And COVID hit, and God really changed how we were doing things. And in fact, it was during COVID, I really felt the Lord was speaking to me saying, you need to package your curriculum and sell it. Mm. And I thought, oh, I don't know about that. And I talked to my director of programming, who was my right arm at the time. And I said, I think we're supposed to sell our curriculum. And she said, no, I don't like that idea. And I said, I think that if we're supposed to do that, it will come to us. We won't have to go after it. The next day, I got a phone call from an organization in another state saying, do you sell your curriculum? And I said, well, we do now. So <laughs> through that, God has opened doors for us to get our curriculum all over nationally, potentially internationally, because the message can, we now train facilitators to give this curriculum, because as you say, the message is the same. Essentially, we have a lot of different curriculum, mm -hmm. but we train people then how to present it whether it's youth, whether it be adults, and we have age-appropriate curriculum. So mm. kindergarten through 12th grade, we had a young kiddo who came to us. He was eighth grade. And when we were presenting in the schools, he came up to one of our educators and said, because the foundation of you have intrinsic value leads every piece of curriculum. Mm -hmm. And there's different activities to illustrate that. And he approached our educator and said, I have never heard that I have value. Mm. Nobody has ever told me that I have value. And so in talking to him, we realized that he was in an extremely abusive home. And through that, we had to report it. And usually when that happens, we never hear from those individuals that we work with that we have to refer to somebody else and then report it and make sure they're safe. Yet he emailed us a month later and said, I just wanted to let you know that I was taken from my home and it was very scary, but I am now safe for the first time in my life. And I want to thank you. And that's why we do what we do, mm -hmm. because there are youth out there. There are adults out there that don't know that they have an intrinsic value, that they have worth and that they are important enough to protect. And so that looked like a number of different ways we had those conversations. Everything we do, we want to have critical thinking happen. And so instead of saying this, we want to ask questions so our audience can critically think and say, okay, that makes sense. And it really does. Uh, you're right. It looks different for not only every age group, but every person. 
Sure, because we're all uniquely made, right? We represent yeah. God. And it's so important that people understand that, like I know for myself, you know, when I look at the way I think, the way I do things, I'm a type A kind of guy, and that's just the way God made me. Yeah. There's nothing I can do about it. I can't change that. But it's all for God's plan and purpose. Right. And it's so important people understand that the things that they see as their strengths and even the things that they see as their weaknesses are there for God's purpose and plan. It may not, we may not understand it. He only shows us right. one step at his time. But it's so important to understand that we're created with his purpose in mind. So true. And again, that when we allow him to do work in the hard places, because it's really not through the easy place that we grow, it's through those difficult times, those difficult moments, through the, the trauma and things like that, that God can do just really amazing work in our life, change ultimately who we are for him. Yes, amen. In the, your experience through your organization, just that story that you told, there has to be a willingness on the part of the individual to come forward, but also to change. Ultimately. And one of the things that I think was really hard for me initially is that our role and our focus is stop human trafficking before it mm. starts. And mm. so we are ultimately trying to teach youth and adults what human trafficking looks like, what it doesn't, how to stay safe, not about kidnapping. It often mm. happens on social media, all yeah. of that stuff. And I think one of the biggest challenges for us as uh, believers, because not everybody in our organization are believers, but a lot of us are. It's amazing how Christians will find their way to us. But I think the biggest challenge is that although our ultimate goal would be to lead people to Christ, and we pray for that every day, that's not necessarily our job. And so our job is to make sure they know this very critical stuff to help them stay safe. And then our prayer would be that somebody else comes in and that we're planting seeds. We're planting mm -hmm. those initial seeds and we're praying. We have an amazing prayer team. So we're praying for those people we talk to and the people that work for us on a daily basis. And then just really believing that the Holy Spirit can do something in that. For sure. Yeah, the Bible says that one sows, one waters, and one reaps, yeah. right? So it's a blessing just to be in any part of that process. There are few and far between individuals that God has used that will accomplish all three of those things. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. And I think that is challenging for believers sometimes because ultimately people don't care what we have for them until they know that we care. Mm -hmm. And so we can't give somebody the gospel if they are starving. We have to give them food first and take care of those immediate needs. And I really do think that's hard for believers sometimes because we so desperately want them to know the truth we have. And yet sometimes we are the people to do that initial, here is the food and we're going to pray for you. And then somebody else comes along and shares the gospel. Yeah, we're all called to different aspects yeah. of the body yeah. of Christ. When we all fit together like a little puzzle to make it all work. Right. And only God sees the big picture and knows which yes. piece goes where. Yes. <laughs> we just have to be willing to be put into that little place. Not always easy for us, but yes. <laughs> Not always easy, especially when we have our own plans and yes. our own wants and all that kind of stuff. We just need to be quiet and say, okay, God, I'm going to give this all over to you. 
you let me know what it is you want yes. me to do. And then it all begins to work. Yeah, it all makes sense after a while. We don't always see it come to fruition, but God knows what he's doing. And I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good that they recognize that. We all need to recognize right. that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yep. When we're weak, he is strong. With the recent movie that came out with Jim Caviezel and this whole focus on human trafficking, now we've got the war in Israel with Hamas and we've got other things going on around Lots the world. Going on. Do you think that the surge in interest and passion to change in that area has dried up a little bit because of all these other things going on in the world? Or do you still see it just as strong? That's a great question. It does come in waves and ebbs and flows. And I think there are people who really are excited to help. And then there are people who get excited because it's the hot topic and then it dies down. What I would say, though, is that one of the things we see a lot, because we're the prevention people, we are all about stopping it before it starts. All we do is prevention education. Mm -hmm. It's not as exciting for people. And what I see sometimes is that people want to be the savior. I had somebody call and say, I want to rescue kids. How can I rescue kids? That's not a thing. That's not a thing we do. We need to as community members, educate, we need to know how to restore. But if you want to rescue kids, you got to first apply for a job in law enforcement. That's your first step. And I think sometimes we get that savior mentality as opposed to they are in a position that I could be into, that I am no better than this individual who's being trafficked because that grooming process is so insidious mm -hmm. and I be there just like any of us could be there. So I do think that we need to make sure that we're recognizing, therefore, by the grace of God, go I, and that these are people that, yes, they need help, but they don't need our pity. They need our love. Absolutely. So if people do want to find out more about your organization yeah. and what you do and what you can offer, where would they go? Yes. So you can go to setmefreeproject.net. We've got a lot of information. Our curriculum can go absolutely anywhere. And we train not only facilitators and we can go anywhere, but we also do webinars and educate online. So that's something we can do. And you can also reach me at stephanie at setmefreeproject.net. Perfect. Okay, one final question for you. Yes. What's the one thing you would tell people about God? Wow, one thing. Great question. I think that I would say he is love. And anything we assign to him, like rules and things like that, we assign them in our own human mindset. And yet, he is love. And the only reason that he says, this is what I want for you, the best, is because he truly wants the best for you. It says God is the jealous God. And he is the only one to have the right to jealous because he is the only one who has pure love and he desires us for men. Amen. Well said. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's yeah. been a pleasure to have you here and to hear about the work that you're doing with your group. It's an awesome thing to do. And God bless you and all you do. I appreciate it. Thank you and God bless you.
Sometimes this world is a cold, cold place And you feel so all alone When the chips are down You got no place to go Nobody knows you like the Lord Nobody knows of trouble you see Nobody knows the tears you cry Nobody knows you sing the song the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, 
release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.